Well, we're glad you're here today. Um, with me is Cole. Uh, many of you. <laughs> Sorry. You guys. Many of you don't know who, uh, may, many of you may not know who Cole is. He's our, he is our student pastor and our social media director. Cole, why don't you tell them a little bit about students on uh, Wednesday night? Second chance students every Wednesday, 6.30 to 8, and it's amazing. And we're seeing a lot of young people's lives changed every single week. It's been awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So I always get Cole up here to answer, help me answer questions because um, Cole actually has a Bible degree. I don't. Um, You've never I, seen it though. I, I know you, you keep telling me that. I haven't seen it. I do have a college degree. It's in communications. The reason I majored in communications is because it had the least amount of foreign language and the least amount of mouth. That's seriously how I picked my college degree. So anyway, with that in mind, um, we are the people that God has chosen to answer your questions today. May God have mercy on our soul. Here we go. Question, Amen. question number one. My son and daughter-in-law moved from Indiana to South Carolina a few oh, years ago. I know where this is going. Do I you know really? who this is. Read it. Okay. They graciously gave us our first grandchild about five months ago, and we rarely get to see him. How do I convince him to come home more frequent? This is your parents. This is my dad. This is your dad. <laughs> I'll answer this. One million dollars. You heard him, Grandpa. Pony up. We, hey, we know you got the money. We know you got the money. <laughs> Come on. I, I'm serious, man. No, that's good. That's love a funny, you. That's love a, you, parents. Love you, Mom and Dad. Keep sending money. All right, let's go. <laughs> Next question. Pastor P, um, what, if anything, would you change about what you wrote in your books? I'd like to answer this one. Okay. I'm just kidding. Um, wow. You know, if you ever read a book and it seems like it's starting to repeat itself, um, the reason why is because a lot of people in the publishing industry want you to write for a word count. So uh, I would burn every copy of Unleashed that I wrote uh, I don't even remember what I wrote in Overwhelmed. And the most excellent way to lead, about six months after it was released, I was fired. So I'm not sure. I, I probably wouldn't even read that book either. So um, You need I'm, a second chance. Man. I did. You need to write a book. I, I, I'm working on like two or three books right now. I don't know which one I'm going to release next. Um, but uh, the stuff in the newer books, that man, I, I'm pumped about that stuff. I don't even remember what I wrote, to be honest. And it's not because I was drunk. It's because it's been so long ago. All right, next question. Christened at 12 when I joined the church, saved at the age of 14. I'm closer in my walk with Jesus than ever before planning to be baptized. Should I be saved again since my walk with Jesus is more alive than it ever was? Cole. Okay. <laughs> well, they're a student. It's your, I mean, it's your... Yeah. So... Let's see. Let me read this one more time. Here, so I oftentimes get this question, um, should I be baptized again? Which I think is kind of similar to what's happening here. And usually my question is, okay, when were you baptized? And they'll say, you know, when I was seven. And usually the answer goes something like, you know, I didn't know really what it meant back then. And then I usually follow up my that 
answer to my question with a, well, are you, are you closer to Jesus now than you were then? And they almost always say, well, yeah, I am. And so then I say, well, don't you agree that it worked? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think we have this, this misconception that like, once I get my life cleaned up, then I'll get saved, then I'll get baptized. The reality is you get saved and baptized before, before it's the first step. You're not supposed to have it figured out. It's, it's over time in your life that you get to know Jesus more and more and more that actually proves that, hey, that decision I made when I was younger, it actually took hold. It actually worked. Jesus has worked in my life. And let me follow this up with um, once you're saved, you're saved. Now, some people don't believe in once saved, always saved. And if you're one of those people, uh, if, if I didn't believe in once saved, always saved, I would be spiritually paranoid. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. How many sins did Adam and Eve have to commit to separate themselves from God? One. How many sins would you have to commit to re-separate yourself from God? According to the biblical narrative that we get, one. So if I didn't believe in once saved, always saved, I would get saved like every five minutes. <laughs> and if I'm in traffic, every 30 seconds because there is a lot of sinning going on if I'm in traffic. So great question, great question. All right, next question. That's good. How can we expand our impact on young people in our city, Cole? <laughs> we're, we're working on it. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I do, I think uh, students, especially this summer, we have really, we've really stepped it up. Um, we have a lot of plans going forward for more things we're going to do. Um, again, I, I said it earlier, but man, we're just, we're, we're doing the best we can with what we have in our hands. And that's what we've always done at this church. Um, we're preaching the gospel and I'm trusting that Jesus, because of that, is going to bring us more and more and more over time. Again, we, we are putting in the really hard legwork to, to do some really awesome things. I don't know if we want to talk about them. Well, I don't know if you I, want to talk about some of those things. The thing that automatically popped in my mind right there was if, um, if you're a student, bring a student. Bring somebody. If you want to impact the world, it starts with impacting people in your world. So bring somebody Wednesday night. Like if you show up alone on a Wednesday night more than four or five times in a row because you haven't asked somebody, then there's no legs to this question. If you want to impact our world, it starts with impacting your world. Bring somebody Wednesday night. Yeah, I, and I've and heard Sunday. some people. Yeah, and I've heard some people say like, you know, maybe those aren't my type of people on Wednesday night. You know, maybe they're too young or whatever. And I would just say to you, if you are in middle school or high school, uh, we would love to have you come and be a leader. Bring some people like you to make our group more diverse. Be a leader. Like you don't have to sit around and wait for us to become what you think your version of second chance students is. Come help impact that group. You. Love it. Does that Love make it. sense? Does to me. Come on. Next question. This AI stuff. Ooh. Oh. What does Jesus say? <laughs> what does Jesus say? And is it referenced anywhere in the Bible? <laughs> He's turning, so I guess. It's... I'm what? I mean, you go. No, you're one turning in your Bible. You're in Genesis. I would at least there go to Revelation, man. Here, man. I mean, it's, I know it doesn't say anything about AI in Genesis. 
You could maybe stretch some stuff in Revelation. I don't know if I can. You're looking something up. All right, you ready? I I am. So, because you're in Genesis. AI, man, come on. Um, Stop. You're throwing me off. You're making me insecure. You're in Genesis and you're going to answer an AI question. (laughs) Dude, they were writing on tablets with hammers and nails. Listen to me. Hear me out. Um, There's a story in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. (laughs) Um, Basically, the the whole point of the story was that these people, it talks about bricks and mortar in here. And to us, that's like not a big deal, brick and mortar. To these people, this was a, a brand new technology. This was technology to them. Tech, this was like the, the new thing was that they could build. Go ahead. Yes, this was the, new, the AI, the new technology. And what happened was these people, they tried to build with their new technology a tower that reached to heaven. They wanted to be like God, right? And essentially what happened was, you know, God tears down the tower you know, scatters them up. And the, the point is that these people use technology to try to be like God. I don't think we can ever replace technology with what God is in our lives. And that goes for phones, TV, anything. Genesis. I feel, did I do it? <laughs> Bri- brick and mortar. I, so, Y'all seen the movie Terminator? It could happen. Yeah. I, the, the answer is I, I don't know a lot about AI. I am learning. And anybody that claims they're an expert in AI, they're not because we're still learning. At the end of the day, though, I, I'm just going to tell y'all, at the end of the day, I don't want a self-driving car. I don't want something ordering groceries for me. I'm too much of a control freak. Um, and, and I, I just don't know. I don't know. But is it anywhere in the Bible? I, I, other than Genesis 11, (laughs) I'm not sure. Good job, Cole. Good job. All right. Next question. Why do kids suffer abuse, disease, and death? Because we live in a fallen world. Abuse, disease, And death does not discriminate. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where people, both Christians and non-Christians, sin. We make mistakes. And there there is forgiveness for sin, but there's also consequences for it. And I hate to see kids suffer. Hate it. With everything that's in me, I hate to see a kid suffer. Um, but the, the ultimate reason is we live in a fallen world. The Bible says in Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. So at the end of the day, I, 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 I wish this wasn't true, but I'm also thankful for the day that this will no longer be true when we're in yeah. heaven. Yeah. Um. I'm going to go even further back in Genesis. <laughs> um. Genesis, in Genesis, so this question, um, it's asked a lot. And I think most people at some point in your life or your faith will ask some sort of this version of this question, like, why do bad things happen? You know, why does God let bad things happen? If he's good, why, you know, why did this happen to, you know, my family? You know what I mean? 
And I, I always, to answer this question, I go back to Genesis, you know, one, two, three, um, where, you know, God creates the whole world, creates Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden. And what's interesting to me is, and I remember this hit me one time, is I thought, why did God put the tree in the garden? Like, he created everything. He could have just not put the tree there, right? And I think the, the reason that God actually put the tree in the garden was so because he, he wanted a relationship with us. And for us to have a relationship with God, we have to actually have the choice between him and something else. If, if, he, if God doesn't put the tree there, we, we are programmed to love him. And how many you know that's not actually love? If you make me love you, that's, it's not love if I don't have the choice to love you or not. And so what happens in the world is I, I think God actually allows humans the ability to choose. Are you going to choose good, Jesus, or are you going to choose evil? Because it's within that choice, it's, actual, it's that we actually have a real loving, we can have a real loving, authentic relationship with Jesus because I had to, I could have chose something else, but I chose you. Oof. <laughs> Shaking a little. So I think that's why there's evil in the world. That's good. I'm nothing to add to that. He was on a roll. Dang. Next question. How, oh. <laughs> Get you a good wife. That's my answer. I mean, I don't know. If you figure this one out, let me know. R write a book. You'll make money. I, listen, I've tried worship music. I've tried um, having a godly wife in, in the car. I mean, just nothing. I don't know. I don't know. Addie used to tell me when we were, like, in high school that she would, like, break up with me if I kept being mean to people on the road. So that, I've come a, a pretty good ways. Yeah. Congratulations, man. I have not. Not there yet. Next question. Do you believe someone can die and go to oh. heaven? Okay, well, obviously Cole is super excited about this question because he didn't was, even uh, let me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, go. I don't know what to say. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I know where you're going with it. You do you? So I, recent, I recently read a book. How, how do I make this short? So listen to me. You know all these books that like, what are they called? Like 90 Minutes in Heaven, stuff like that. I, I historically kind of had a little bit of an issue with these books. Um, and I'll tell you why. Is because in scripture, there's, there's four, pretty much four accounts of people that go to heaven and have an experience in heaven and then come back. And all four of these experiences of people going to heaven, coming back, are, are very similar. They're all, all these people are filled with terror at the awesomeness of God. They're terrified. None of them are like, hey, I went to heaven and there was a blue cookie waiting for me and I got to play horseshoes with my grandpa. And you know, <laughs> that's just not in, it's not in scripture. They're, all these people are just almost horrified at how amazing and beautiful and perfect God is. So anyway, I, qualification for what I'm going to say. I read this book not too long ago about NDEs, they're called, near-death experiences. And apparently, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of these happen every single year where people will die and be declared dead and then come back. Now, 
Uh, oh, man. I'll just say this is fascinating to me. What was the question again? <laughs> fascinating to me because so, this, this person went and interviewed, again, thousands of these people and documented their stories. And to be honest with you, they line up pretty well. And I, so I'm not putting a stake in the ground saying, like, people dying, come back to life. Or, you know, I don't know. I've never had it happen to me. But I do find this NDE um, topic kind of fascinating because a lot of these people will die and their experiences are the same. They meet a man. It's the most love you could ever feel in your life. They can't even explain it in words. And I don't know. I could go on. I, I am fascinated by this. I do. Cool. Why not? Why not? Why, 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 why would we limit God? Well, like, why couldn't God give somebody a snapshot? Why, why couldn't God give somebody a vision? I mean, listen, I believe in visions. I believe in dreams. I've, God has spoken to me through those. Um, now I don't get up and declare, this is a vision from God. I mean, unless God told me to. But like, why would we limit God? If he wants to show people heaven in this way, I say he's God, let him do it, Right? Whom, I mean, I'm, I'm not the guy that's going to tell him no. I feel so dumb now. I, no, no, because but I, Cole got excited about that book. He called me, told me about the book. I read the book. I was like, man, this is great. I went and saw the movie, whether it's I Can Only Imagine or what's the, what's the one about? The, the Passion of the Christ? No, not that one. <laughs> you were like two when that movie came out. But I, no, it was the one about the little boy. that Heaven is for real. Heaven is for real, yeah. I read that book. And, and I went to that movie, and the way that movie ended, when he walked in and said, yep, that's him, I was like, in the theater, man, I'm losing it. Anyway, next question. How can couples in a committed relationship work to maintain a healthy and strong bond? You've been married longer than me, Cole. You can answer that one. Um, it's a good question. I, here's the thing. I, I really strongly believe love, love is a choice. I think we have this weird belief in our culture that love is some feeling uh, that I eventually feel for this person. The reality is lo love's a choice. And if you are going to, if you're in a committed relationship, and when I say committed, I've, part of that, a lot of it means I'm committing to waking up every day and choosing you. I'm choosing you. And it's just like everything, everything else in life. If you choose to do the hard things over and over and over and over, you grow. And you're, the, the feelings that you're after follow. So, I mean, I, I feel like it's a simple answer, but I feel like if you're willing to be selfless and choose that every single day, the, feel, the, the butterflies, like, they stay. They really do. Addie and I have been together for like 14 years now. And, man, I think I probably like her more now than I did when I met her, to be honest. Help me out. For, for Shannon and I, it, we, and we're still learning. I mean, we're still learning. We, we, it's communicate, communicate, communicate. Because at the end of the day, if you're married, you got to understand that the enemy is going to attack your marriage every single day. And the place he's going to go after is our minds. And he wants us as much as possible to think negative thoughts about our spouse. He wants you to think negative thoughts and he wants your spouse. He, he wants to take that text message 
and he wants you to dig and read into it things that are not there. That's why for me personally, I have to go to Philippians 4, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's where I have to put my mind. And, and, and when, so, so with Shannon, it's communicating and assuming the best. That's, and also trying to teach her Philippians 8 because it says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, think about these things. So think about me, baby. I got a verse. There we go. And then I always do this. I always want to do this. Where's Stan and Connie? Stan and Connie, raise your hand. Y'all been, been married how long? 54, 54 years? years? Yeah, ask them. Ask Stan and Connie. Take them to lunch. Take them to dinner. They they'll they'll tell you. Too. They're the best marital counselors we've got here. If you mm -hmm. come to me for marital counseling, I can't help you. I'll send you to Stan and Connie. Buy them lunch. Buy them dinner. Take them somewhere nice. Buy them lunch. Buy them dinner. Because th these two people are more in love than anybody I've ever seen. They, I can't even tell y'all some of our pre-service conversations we have. But I talk to them every single Sunday. And it's fascinating. So They've anyway, got great advice. We'll just leave it there. All right, next question. Oh, my. God, I hope not. Um, There are children in this service. They, they should be in SC Kids. <laughs> I don't know, Cole. I'm not Tell answering me. this one. I don't. I'm with you. I hope not. No, you're, huh? What do you mean? I'm the expert? Yeah, you, you've been <laughs> married longer. You got a Bible degree. Let me go to Genesis. Yeah, it's probably in Genesis. <laughs> I would say, I would say no. I don't, I've never heard that. It's a sin. Thank goodness. If it is, I, I, never mind. There's actually a verse. He's looking it up. No, I got a verse. Do you have a verse? Where are you at? Well, I'm not in Genesis, Cole, so. I'm trying, hold on, I'll find it. It's in here somewhere, unless somebody rearranged my Bible. Use the index, man. It tells you what page no, and stuff, it. you know? I got it. I got it. I got it. I know what I'm looking for. I know what I'm looking for. This is, a fun, for. this is a fun service. This has gotten out of hand. Um, so in Hebrews 13, 4, the Bible says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. In the King James Version, if I'm not mistaken, this is translated, the marriage bed is undefiled. So when it comes to sex in the bedroom between a husband and a wife, I'm not the guy with a striped shirt and a whistle that's gonna throw the flag. <laughs> not my job. Right? If a couple, if the man and the woman has communicated about something like this with one another and they mutually consent, one is not hurting, harming, or taking advantage of the other person, and there's mutual consent between a husband and a wife, and what they're doing is not sinful. Let me, let me explain that. I had... 
a couple, and this was years ago, I had a couple come to me and say, is it okay if we agree that it's okay for us to watch porn together as a married couple? No, we agree. Well, it's a sin to watch porn. So if you and your husband agree to, to go murder somebody, is that okay? No. But if, you, if the husband and wife agree with one another that what, this is what we want to do and it's not sinful, then I say, go for it. Song of, there, is, there are evidences of this in the Song of Solomon as you read through when she says, come blow on my garden. What does that mean? That's not a reference to the Holy Spirit, okay? Just saying. Next question. Yeah, move on, please. I'm watching from Greensboro, North Carolina. Is there any way to know if others are watching in my area so we can have a community group slash watch party? I don't... Uh, comment. Comment, yeah. Just say, hey, anybody watching from Greensboro? I don't know if you're on Facebook or on YouTube, but just comment and say, I'm from Greensboro. Or anybody from Greensboro? Let's, let's hang out. Let's... Let's watch together. Yeah. This person's looking for a, a relationship. They for might sure. be. I don't know. <laughs> and that's okay. Next, next question. And that's okay. Why should I forgive God even though he took people that I loved away from me? Well, the temperature just shifted in the room. Did we, did, did we do the problem of evil th earlier in the service? Or was that last service? Dude, I've got ADD too. You're asking me I don't I think No, we did it this service. We did it this service. Um, James, in the book of James, the half-brother of Jesus, said that every good and perfect gift we get is from God. That's where I want to start. Now, as somebody who has lost my, my mother and my father and my senior year in high school, four guys that I was supposed to graduate with died. I've seen death. And I've been to funerals and there's no way you can polish that and make it nice. Nobody, I've never met a person that walked out of a funeral and went, that was awesome. It's the best thing ever. No, they suck, don't they? And just when you, there's somebody that's there and that's hurting and you gotta say goodbye to them and it just rips our hearts out. And so I, I feel the pain in this question, but I would say a couple things. Number one, Bravo for asking this question. Number two, God knows your heart and he knows you're hurting. And if you'll let him, he'll meet you there. And in time, he'll take that hurt and he'll turn it into healing. I can't tell you how long, but I can tell you he'll do it because he's done it in my life. And at the end of the day, and this sounds so simplistic, but it's so true. All of us are going to step into eternity. It's not that God takes, for me, this is the way I view it. 
God did not take my mother from me when I was 11 years old. He allowed me 11 incredible years with my mother. Now it took time. It took time for that perspective to change. But once it shifted, it was absolutely beautiful. So thank you for asking this question. I can see the hurt in it. And I can promise you that God's going to meet you there and heal you in his time. It's good. Nothing from Genesis? <laughs> no, sir. All right, next question. Can Christians, t- yes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, that's the reason we're, the we're here. Kids. You know our stories? <laughs> um, do you want to say anything about that? or? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just, you, when you, here's the thing. I think I talked about this earlier, again, ADD. But get, when you get saved, that is not your invitation to be perfect. There, there's, that's, that will never happen. You will, and this, I found this out the hard way, is, let me say it like this. To be honest with you, I'm 29, I'm going to be 30 this year been in ministry for 10 years probably I thought that I would be if you asked me 10 years ago I thought that today at almost 30 I would probably be further along than I am and but here's what I've learned that life following Jesus is all about slowly over time through circumstances, through people, through failure, God meets you and slowly changes you. Circumstance by circumstance by circumstance in his time. And so no, getting saved is not, it's not about being perfect, but it's about saying, I'm gonna make you Lord of my life and in your time, when you wanna change me, I'm open to it. I didn't suffer with addiction until after I was a Christian. Here's the, let me, let me tell you this. And I want to tell you something that you won't hear in most churches. I can't even believe I'm going to say this. This is what sucks about being saved. (laughs) You can't enjoy sin as much as you used to if you truly belong to Jesus. You can't. I'm not saying it's not fun. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit will start to convict you and you didn't have that before you met Christ. So once you're a Christian, you can still struggle with anything a non-Christian struggles with. The difference is you have the Holy Spirit who convicts you, which by the way, is a blessing, not a curse, because God wants us more than anything to get it right. And with his Holy Spirit living in us, convicting us and moving us towards him, Man, that's, that's progress. That's progress. And whoever sent this question in, let me just say this. Whoever sent this question in, you're probably doubting your salvation because you're addicted. And I would say that you're probably a Christian because you asked the question. Because if you weren't a Christian, you wouldn't even be concerned with it. And God, let me say this, and God can deliver you. If he can deliver me, he can deliver anybody on the planet. Let me tell you my story. 
My story isn't that I held on to Jesus. My story is that Jesus held on to me. That's my story. So. All right, what's next? How do you answer the question, isn't having tattoos wrong? As a Christian, I received this question from my family and acquaintances, and I don't know a solid answer. It's Leviticus, Cole. It's Leviticus. Is that what you're looking up? No. Oh. Give me a sec. Leviticus. No, I love my tattoo. This, this one costs some money. I had to sit for two sittings. Has anybody ever had to sit for more than one sitting for a tattoo? It freaking hurts, don't it? That's why I show this all people. You're just trying to show off your tattoo. Yeah, I am. Where is this at? It says only God can judge me. All right. Yeah. You ready for this? Is it from? Oh, you're not in Genesis. No, I'm in Revelation. You ever heard this? Jesus had a tattoo. Oh, yeah. Do it. Revelation 19:16. I don't know if this is for sure a tattoo, but this is what it says. On his, robe at, on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. King of kings and Lord of all lords written on him. Who knows? Maybe Jesus is tatted. Um, some other stuff out of Leviticus um, about the, the tattoo thing, because people get it out of the book of Leviticus, the book, because we all memorize the book of Leviticus. And there's a book, there's, there's a verse out of Leviticus about not getting a tattoo. Um, and it has nothing to do with tattoos like this. It had to do with back in the time where the Israelites were coming into the land that the Amalekites and the, some of the people we've been talking about over the past few weeks, the way they identified themselves to connect to their foreign gods were tattoos. I think tattoos are a personal preference, not a biblical mandate. Um, I, I do think before you get one, you should really think about it because tattoo removal is three times more expensive than the tattoo. But people that love to quote the verse out of Leviticus, out of Leviticus, you going to come at me with Leviticus? Okay, well, let's just... I got it. some too queued up, by the way, from Leviticus. Do not, do not nurse hatred in your heart, is in Leviticus 19. Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. So that's Facebook right there. That's, just, that's screwed up. Um, when you enter the land and plant fruit trees, so you got to have a garden if you believe Leviticus. Um, Show reverence toward my sanctuary. Uh, st uh, stand up in the presence of the elderly and show respect for the aged. Fear the Lord your God. Um, so in other words, when somebody older than you pops in the room, stand up. Uh, do not practice fortune telling or witchcraft. Do not eat meat that has been drank. I mean, I could just keep going on. Did you have some call? Yeah, check this one out. Leviticus 15. <laughs> Whenever a woman has her menstrual period, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. <laughs> Anyone who touches her during that time will be unclean until evening. I mean, it's Leviticus. Husbands, how well would that go for you in your house? <laughs> your wife walks in, you go, unclean!
Here's the thing. Real answer, we're under Old Testament. Or, I mean, sorry, we're under New Testament, not yeah. the Old Testament. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about a good tattoo, if it's a good one. Go, go to a good artist, all right? Next question. I'm leaving to fly to California to visit my 96-year-old after the last time as he is expected to live only a few more months. How do I say goodbye? Oh. Whoa. Honestly, truthfully, let me pause real quick. I just want to pray for this person. God, I don't know who this is, but God, I sense the heaviness in their heart. I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them the words to say and the courage to say them and the grace to show grace if it's needed. God, thank you so much that even in death, God, we can find hope. If there's reconciliation that needs to happen in this relationship, I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A little lighter on the next question, please. That was heavy. Or, or just anything, just. <laughs> Do you believe that the, okay, here we go. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit uses tongues and interpretations today as he did in the New Testament? Why or why not? Is this something Second Chance would like to see happen during the service? Nope. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I, I will say, yeah, I do think, I do think, I don't, I'm not a cessationist, they call it. I think the same gifts of the Holy Spirit that were used back then are available to us today. Um, I think there's different purposes. There's two types of tongues uh, in the New Testament. You have glenalacia, glenalacia, and glossalacia are the words. Um, I'm going to be honest, I can't remember which one means which, but one of them refers to angelic tongues, and one of them refers to, like, foreign tongues. So you'll, like, in Acts um, chapter, what, at 2, when uh, Peter starts speaking other people's languages, um, you see that, and then you see Paul talking about tongues that don't edify people when used in church. There he's talking about heavenly language. And that type of, we call it, sometimes people call it a prayer language. And that's its purpose between, it's edifying to you, Paul says, not to other people, because it's for you and God. And so short answer, yes, I believe in them. I'm not a cessationist either. By the way, we'll do three more after this question. So y'all can queue up the best last three. Um, Okay. So let me, let me start with this. I pray in tongues, not from the stage in my personal time with God, Not every day, but most days, I pray in tongues. It started about five or six years ago when I sat down with somebody who was way more charismatic than me, way godlier than me, and way smarter than me, and we talked through a couple things. The reason that I have a problem with it in a lot of church services is because I've never seen it done in an orderly fashion. Meaning, I've been in some church services where it happened, but it was usually to either A, draw attention to the person and away from Jesus, which is not the 
the purpose. And second, it's, it seems to be something that causes people to lose control where one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. And I don't think, I don't, I don't, I can't figure out how to get those two together. So I'm all about speaking in tongues. And when people come at me and they say, well, what about Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit fell? Well, they were, they were speaking in other languages, literally other. It would be like I would get up here and I would speak to you in, um, in fluent Spanish, but I've never taken Spanish. In fact, I was talking with a Messianic Jew one time in Israel. We were downtown Jerusalem on this restaurant, um, like overlooking the city. And I asked him about, he said, I moved to, he said, I moved to Israel when I was 15 years old from America. And I said, oh, so you knew Hebrew. He was like, didn't know a word of Hebrew. He said, I only spoke English. I said, how many years did it take you to learn Hebrew? He said, it took me a week. I said, come on, man, a week. And he looked at me and smiled and he said, didn't Yeshua say that he would teach us to speak in other tongues and languages? And I went, oh, yes, he did. Because this guy could speak Hebrew very well. So he I was Jesus like, okay. juked you. Huh? He Jesus juked He you. did. But he said, Yeshua. So when a Jewish person says Yeshua, after that, they can say anything they want. I'm in. All right? So we got three more, three more, three more. How does Second Chance feel about common law marriage can someone common lawed lol work Loud. for the church i don't hey. even know what that means okay hold on I'm do all, you i'm no i'm googling it man i think i know what it means does this mean y'all been shacking up for a long time and common real it's what yeah hold, hold on shacking up shacking up for seven years dear god what's your problem <laughs> Yeah, what are you waiting on? How long are you going to test drive the car? Dear, I mean, fi- haven't you not figured it out in seven years? No, if you've been shacking up for seven years, no, you can't work here because you can't make up your freaking mind <laughs> about something that's important. You wake up every day and go, I don't know, maybe. I mean, how's that make her feel? How's that make you feel? I, would, I mean, marriage is only a piece of paper. Sign it. I ripped that off from Cole, by the way. I'm just... I'm just, no, how do I feel about common law marriage? Well, I'm still not clear on what it is. So you, if you live together for seven years, technically you're married. They just consider you married? Yeah, you, like she can take you to court and take half of everything you got. She got the gold mine. I got the shit. You don't even know who, I bet he don't even know who Jerry Reed is. I mean, nope. know who Jerry Reed is. Yeah, it's good. Eastbound and down, loaded up and truck. You don't know that song? You never saw Smoking the Bandit, did word you? Word for word, I, I love that song. Do you really? No, I don't know it. <laughs> okay, we got, we got two more. We got two more. Oh, my, my son committed suicide. I believe he went to heaven, and so does my husband. But my husband tells me, if I do it, I'll go to hell. I believe the only sin not forgiven is that of non-belief. Hmm. There's a couple layers to this question. I, so I learned several years ago that when he, whenever somebody asks a question like this, there's usually a question behind the question that's really being asked. 
So I'm not trying to be presumptuous. So I want to answer the question on the surface. And I want to go a little bit deeper, if you don't mind. First of all, I can't even imagine this kind of pain. Um, and then, yes, if he knew Christ, he absolutely went to, he he went, he absolutely went to heaven. Let, let, me, let, me, let me just say this because it comes up in every Q&A we've ever done. Suicide does not send someone to hell. Not knowing Jesus is the only thing that sends someone to hell. If you're in this church today and you die and go to hell, here's what I know. You had to step over a bloodstained cross to get there because you never sat in this church where we did not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave to give us power and victory over sin. Now, saying this, the, the, this sentence right here, but my husband tells me if I do it, I'll go to hell, which, which, which to me says that you've had thoughts about doing it. Now, let me, let me tear down a couple of walls real quick. Number one, I've heard that true Christians would never consider taking their own lives. And I'm telling you, that's just not true. Many of you know my story back in 2016 where I was literally so low. People, people that take their own life, it's not that they want to die, it's they can't imagine going on living in that much pain. Now, let me pause. I believe there's probably some people like that in this room today. Like, you don't know how you can make it one more day. And let me just say, as somebody that's been there, I get it. A thousand percent. That's why when we do the end of the service in just a little while, and we stand up. Um, if that's you and you need someone to pray with you or pray for you, we have a care team here that is amazing. And all you have to do during the invitation is stand up and walk out the doors and nobody will know why you're walking out. They, they will pray with you. They will pray for you. They do it every week. They're an amazing people. And if, if, you're, if you are in that group where you're considering that, we would be honored to pray with you and help you walk out of that valley. Because I'm telling you, the reason the enemy wants to take you out is because he knows if you stay in the game and you get out of that valley and on top of that next mountain, you'll freaking be unstoppable. God's got a plan for you. So, so this isn't true. But I would just tell you, I, I would tell you this. I believe your son would tell you, stay in the game. I do. Cole? Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, I would have said the same thing. The only, the only thing that I, I have a hard time here with, and this is not, 
hear me out, is, is this part right here, the only sin not forgiven. We don't believe in this, y'all. Right. Like Romans 8, 1, therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When he says no, none. There, there's nothing the grace of God can't cover. Or, did I say that right? right? Yeah, nothing the grace of God cannot cover. It's so big, we can't even understand it. There's nothing, there's no sin, I believe, that God cannot forgive. Yeah, great, great word, great word. Thanks for asking the question. I guess this is the last one. Is this the last one? Pastor P, do we really need to start another campus or campuses? Why can't we just keep what we got and focus on growing it as much as possible? It's a great question. Um, I'll answer this one. Y'all, y'all thank Cole. Can y'all thank Cole for being with us, helping us out? A great job, we love him. Um, I'll be honest with y'all. Let's just be bluntly honest. I didn't want to start this church. I was done. And the reason I was done is because I thought church was done with me. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do the, the, the place we had back at the liquor store. I didn't want to do that. The, the only reason I'm standing here today is not because I'm super strong and I bounce back and all that stuff. The only reason I'm standing here today is because God wouldn't let me rest until I said yes. So, so, so I'm just going, listen, these are all my cards on the table. When we got in this building, I, I, I didn't want a Greenville campus. I didn't want a Columbia campus or a Charleston campus or, you know, I don't, I didn't want other campuses. I literally told God, I'm so happy. I'm so happy with this. I'm so happy with this room right here. I'm so happy with what we've got. I'm so happy with who we have in the room. I'm, I don't have to have anything. I've had it. I've had all of that stuff. And, and, and this, I, I love this church. And I love these people. And God, why, I've asked God this question. I asked God this question. Why can't we just keep it like it is and just maximize what we got and grow it as much as possible? But then, y'all, just look around. Pretty much growing it as much as possible. We're, I mean, we're there. We're actually talking about adding a fourth service. We're... And, and at the end of the day, the reason that we're going to go to Greenville and from there, I don't know where else we'll go. But the reason we're going to do it is this thing, and, and this is honesty, this isn't preacher talk. It's the Great Commission where Jesus said, go into all the world and reach people. Listen, hell is too hot and eternity is too long for us to be just focused on ourselves. Jesus said in Matthew, listen, there's a great commission passage at the end of every gospel. Matthew 28, he said, go and take the gospel to all the nations making disciples. Mark 16, 15, he said, take the good news everywhere. Luke 24, 48, he said, you are witnesses of these things. John chapter 20, verse 21, he says, peace I give to you. As the, I give you peace, you go out into the world, you tell them about peace. We have a mandate to reach as many people as possible. So I can tell you all this, and people will tell you otherwise, but you can believe me or them. 
It has nothing to do with my ego because I'm happy. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my 52 years on earth. I can promise you that. I don't need notoriety and I don't need attention. But you know what I do need? I need to walk in daily surrender to Jesus. And I'm learning more and more. If he says it, I'm gonna try my best to do it and follow, even if I don't like it, even if I don't understand it. So the long answer to this question right here is the reason we're doing it is because I feel with all my heart that Jesus is telling us, this is your next step. And as a church, we're gonna be obedient and we're gonna take that next step because that's what he's calling us to do. So my question is, my question back to you is, what's your next step? What do you need to surrender? What do you need to give to Christ? Is it your guilt, your shame, your pain, your sin, your life? What's your step of surrenders? Father, I wanna pray right now, just ask God, knowing that you are a good God that wants good things for his people, I wanna ask you to be just in this place right now with us and set our hearts on fire. God, that we would desire to be fully surrendered to you as individuals. Because God, the only way our church is gonna get fully surrendered is if we as individuals get fully surrendered. So Jesus, help us, God, right now in these next few moments to, to just allow your Holy Spirit to come into our lives, to, to literally well up inside of us and cause us to want what you want and desire what you desire. God, like a rushing wind, God, come within. God, we want you to have your way in this place and in our lives. God, have your way. God, have your way. Jesus, I want to thank you today. God, that there is not a weight that you can't handle and there's not a burden that you can't carry. Right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, what's your next step? What do you need to surrender to Jesus? Do you need somebody to pray with you and for you? If so, you can just step out of the aisles and walk out the exit doors. I saw several people leaving and I don't think they were just trying to leave early. If you need somebody to pray with you or for you about those thoughts that you can't, you just can't get them out of your head. Hey, hey we need one another and it's okay to ask for help. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of getting stronger. Maybe you're here. What, what is that thing that you need to personally surrender to Jesus right now, right where you stand? Is it your time? Is it your talent? Is it sin? Is it shame? Is it your life? Maybe you're here this morning. You've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you. Listen, if you, if you need Jesus to come into your life, and be your Lord, to be your Savior. If you need to give your life to Christ today, I'm gonna invite you to do that right where you stand. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer with me out loud. Now, there's nothing magic about the prayer. It's, it's, it's us meaning what we say in the prayer. So if you wanna pray to receive Christ today, you pray this prayer with me out loud and listen, you don't have to pray it alone because our entire Second Chance family is gonna pray it with you. Just to know that you're not alone in your journey with Christ that's about to start right now. So if you wanna to pray to receive Christ, let's do it. Second Chance fam, let's make sure they're not alone. Say, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. I, know that I'm a sinner. 
and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed all over the room, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ to come into your life, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you right now. So in order to do that, I need to know who you are. So do me a favor. If you just prayed that prayer, hold up your hand and hold it up high so I can see it. So I can pray. Amen. Amen. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. This is great. All over the room. All over the room. This is amazing. Father, I want to thank you for these hands that are in the air. I want to thank you for the people that just prayed to accept you. God, I want to thank you that we have never had a Sunday that you didn't meet us here and change lives. Jesus, I want to thank you, God, that you're not scared of our questions, that Jesus, you have the answer for everything that might be off in our life. I want to thank you, Jesus, for meeting us where we are, but loving us too much to let us stay that way. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Hey, we'll see y'all back next Sunday for I Love My Church.